Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today as part of our podcast here, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview uh, Dr. Jeff Conning. Uh, Dr. Conan served as clinical professor and the director of the Doctor of Athletic Training Program at Florida International University in Miami. He's also the founding partner and owner of the Rubber Conning Group, and he's also the founder owner of Conning Consulting. So Dr. Conning, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Great. So Dr. Conning, what I want to talk to you about today was to first talk about your background. And then uh, I'd love to get your thoughts about your program, the benefits, and so on. So how does it sound? It sounds fantastic. I appreciate that. No problem. So uh, Dr. Conan, could you start by telling us about your background? Sure. So the majority of my background in the discipline of sports medicine involves uh, being a certified athletic trainer and a licensed physical therapist for yep. uh, the early part of my career, I was very much involved uh, in the clinic setting. And then I migrated over to hybrid roles where I was also teaching and working in the clinical setting at, at various levels and various settings. And then I completed my PhD in uh, 2004. And from there, you've so into a, a faculty role of, of teaching and, and, and research. Um, but keeping my hands tied closely to the clinical setting and those working within the clinical setting so that the work that I did in the academic setting had some translation that was practical and helpful for those still in the clinical settings. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and could you tell a bit, us a bit more about your program, the Doctor of Athletic uh, Training Program at the Florida International University in Miami? Sure, absolutely. So. Um, our program is a couple of years old, and there's uh, only a handful of doctor of athletic training programs in the United States, the only place they're located. And all of the programs, as they should be, are distinctly different. Uh, our doctor of athletic training degree focuses on leadership, uh, leadership in a number of different areas, uh, particularly pertaining to entrepreneurial leadership, uh, global or international leadership, and even academic leadership. And how our program evolved, quite frankly, Julian, was that um, we sought the input of many athletic trainers who are practicing and said, what are your concerns? And if you could change those and improve the situation that you're in, what would that involve? And what yeah. we found was, un unlike many other degree, advanced degree programs, very few people answered us that they lacked the clinical skills or the advanced clinical competencies what they were typically concerned about were the ability to advance in the profession, to have their, their value recognized, to increase their, their wages and their opportunities, yeah. and to have a better, a better overall quality of life. So, so that's why we devised our program in such a way that we realized that it's the intangible skills 
of leadership uh, and the ability to identify opportunities in this world, not just in your own setting, even within your own profession, uh, but to expand those skill sets that will truly enhance the recognition that the value that one has as an athletic trainer and create more opportunities. And, you know, in this case, it's a, it's a DAT, it's a doctorate degree, but, but it's not really about the letters. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt that when you put a, a DR in front of your name and the potential and capability of opening doors, uh, not all doors, but certain doors that we teach individuals how to identify, but really what it's all about is what you learn within uh, essentially the two years of the curriculum that make the difference that really change your life, hopefully. Yeah, and you mentioned something that was uh, interesting, uh, resonated with me is to help the athlete trainers, uh, of course, um, you know, with better wages, but also improve their quality of life. And I found that, you know, um, you know, I work with athlete trainers in the NBA or the NFL and MLS, and I've always been kind of amazed by the fact that they, they have to travel and they have to be on the road all the time. And when you have, a, you know, a family, it's, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be, right? For some of them to yes. uh, to manage that, and and what I've seen, for example, is some athletic trainers transitioning and becoming maybe the head of rehab. Therefore, why? Because they have to travel less and they can spend more time with their family, for example, right? So yeah, you know, there's some there's some truth to that. I mean, you know, this is the territory, right? If if you want to get into not just professional sports, but you know, a high level business or any kind of job setting where yeah. it's not it's not eight to five, it's odd yeah. hours travel and, 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 you know, it's your responsibility to know what you're getting yourself into and, uh, and, and having a quality of life. I, I don't think that the term, uh, I like to say life work balance versus work life balance, but I think balance um, is a 50-50 proposition. Uh, I think, first of all, it's an integration. Uh, it, it's, it's not true that you can't bring work home or you can't bring your personal life into work. We're human beings and this happens. Um, but sometimes a, a life work integration means that you have, a, you know, look at accountants, right? They have a, a busy time and tax season and yeah. they work yeah. very long hours, but they know the, the career path that they chose and that comes with the brain. And so we have the same thing. We have individuals who work with a sports team that have seasons and mm -hmm. therefore they have busier times and not. And, yeah. and for them, you know, maybe they work. 65% of the time and they have 35% personal, but for them, that's, that's the balance they want that they need that they're happy with relative to your uh, comment about moving into a different role. I think partially there is some truth to that, that, you know, maybe uh, the travel is wearing down or, or things like that. But honestly, also what I think quite frankly is that individuals are, are learning more and becoming more experienced. And so mm -hmm. they're using more of their, their knowledge base um, overall and less of their clinical skills. So they can make a difference at a higher level, impacting more people. And then they can train other individuals to step into those clinical roles. And I think that's what you're actually seeing. why you're seeing people create these new titles and new positions in, in, in not just professional sports, but in college sports and elsewhere. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, as you mentioned, even slide over into some type of consulting role because they've yeah. now built a, an expertise of knowledge that they didn't have when they were young. They're very, very good clinicians. And now they're realizing how those clinical skills carry over into management. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
Well, I think, you know, I remember when I was, um, I had some back problems and I went to see a chiropractor and I was hopeless. I couldn't find anybody who really could help me. And the only person who could help me was actually one of my friends was the athlete trainer for the earthquakes. And I think those, because they work with some of the best athletes in the world, they've got, they've, they've got those amazing skills, right? Now, not just for elite sports, but also for people who have issues every day, right? So. Sure. It's easier to pick up the, the telephone or send an email or a text message to somebody and say, I'm working in this setting uh, with this group of elite individuals and they can create collaborations. But I think we all have the ability to do that. Again, it's, it's a part of learning, learning how you can leverage the value that you have and create networks and create uh, collaborations. And again, this is a lot of what we do in our doctorate of athletic training program. It's an it's a hybrid or an online program. So ninety seven percent of it is delivered online asynchronously, and so we don't pretend uh, nor try to enhance individuals' psychomotor clinical skills. Uh, that, that's better done in person. It's better done with supervision to give the right yeah. feedback. But we can teach people about the opportunities that are out there, how to leverage their skill set and find these. So, so for example, I'm sure you're very much aware of the, uh, the movement of know your why uh, and, and helping people to identify, you know, why they're, what they're doing, what's their passion. Well, sort of yeah. the way we look at this is we say, know your where. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, where, where do you want to change your life or career to in the future? And if you know that, and then we have a conversation, I can help guide you and say, you know what, this is the right program for you, or it's not the right program for you, quite frankly. Our, our goal yeah. is to meet your goals if you're coming in our program. But relative to know you're aware, you know, if you were going to take a vacation, you don't just uh, get in your car and randomly drive on the highway or show up at the airport, decide which flight to take. Yeah. You first start with your destination, where you want to be, and then you decide what's the best path to get there. And so that's really what our program is about. And when we interview potential applicants and talk to them about this, and, uh, you know, we recently did a survey online, a very informal scientific survey, but we asked people, why, why would you not pursue a DBA? And 44% of the respondents said, because there's no return on the investment. Uh, I promise mm -hmm. you, I promise you, if you have a conversation with myself or my colleague, Dr. Matt Coots, and we learn about your goals, if they can tailor into our specific program, I promise you, you will have a return on your investment almost immediately because we'll show you skill sets that you have and knowledge you have that you didn't realize you have. And, and the reason is that most of the individuals in our specialty compare themselves only to their colleagues, right? So mm -hmm. we, have, we have a lot of skill sets from injury prevention to injury treatment to to management to, to that's true right um, but we don't think of ourselves as experts in the profession because we look to others who are you know have name recognition they're performing all the research or they're doing the presentation and they're um, they're out and about everywhere and they're the go-to names as experts but all of us have an expertise in this if we stop comparing ourselves only to those people and we look at the bigger world as a whole, we have yeah. a lot to share with others. And so knowing where you want to be, what, what will make you happy? And one of the biggest things about this is we, we really are receptive 
it doesn't matter to me if you're fresh out of graduate school with your master's degree or you're you know 60 plus years um, if you want to be somewhere different in two years that's our job and otherwise if you don't change anything you can't expect your circumstances to change for you and so we really cater to those who i don't want to say that are unhappy where they are but who want more or want something different and yeah. then we focus, focus and specialize our leadership skills to teach those individuals how to get to where they want to be yeah that makes sense and and you know one thing i forgot to ask you is how do you come up with the idea of launching this program was there a, a reason or a story or a moment in your life that makes you realize or maybe you're working with some other day trainers what was the moment when you realized you know what we need to do this wow uh so that's a great question and i have to be honest with you i i can't take credit for this one uh, yeah it, in my career, I've helped launch other new and innovative programs, but this particular DAT at Florida International University, uh, the idea was launched before my arrival by oh. existing, existing faculty. And um, by way of those faculty um, modifying their roles at the university, uh, I had an opportunity to slide into this and, and lead it over the last couple of years. and. Uh, and then just sort of massage it in a way that we thought was best fit for the needs of the athletic trainers seeking a degree. But um, this, is, this is one of those areas that uh, piggybacked on the idea of somebody else. Okay, no, that, that makes sense. Um, and, and the people, and I know some of the people that are in your program, um, uh, you know, I'll keep their, their name private, but what are the typical profile of athletic trainers would join, join your program? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think that if there's one way to sum up the typical people, it, it's those that are hungry for more. It's as simple as that. Because look at the demographics of our program. We have students of all diverse backgrounds, uh, ethnically, ethnically and culturally, gender-wise, yeah. geographically, uh, job setting. We have individuals from clinical settings to secondary schools, to colleges, to professional sports. And so in the ages, we have uh, individuals who are literally two months out of their graduate master's degree. And yeah. uh, we had a graduate last year who completed the degree at 67. And so that's why I say we, we have an incredibly diverse program that um, specializes to the needs of the individual. And, and we don't look at any of those demographics. We're proud to have a diverse group of people because in our online discussion boards and our in-residence meetings, they don't just learn from Dr. Kutz and myself, they have the ability to learn from everyone else who brings these different experiences together. Uh, but the common denominator is they all want more and they want us to feed them this information to help them open these doors and create opportunities. Yeah, but I, I, I will say though, um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and mention uh, some names or at least one name, for example. I know our, our connection through this podcast is um, by way of Marco Nunez. That's and, right. You know, Marco is out in Southern California. He was a former athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Lakers and many other organizations. But, but Marco pivoted, which is a, a very popular in our program, pivoting, uh, because when you're entrepreneurial and you're seeking ideas, you have to be ready to change and, mm -hmm. and, and meet those opportunities. And so Marco's created a very successful consulting operation in the area of performance. His company is called Evolve Athletic Performance. And that's one yeah. of the things that we do. So whether individuals want to create a 
a side opportunity or, or completely change and operate their own enterprise to better understand everything from the startup of this to the marketing, to the analytics, to the, the business side of the revenues and the expenses. Um, and you know, sometimes people can launch something like this within the first year of the program. This is why I say the letters aren't magic when you cross the stage in two years and have a DAT. You can start to generate these business revenues within a year. Other people have very grandiose ideas in the business they're starting. And so we help them get to the launching point. But, you know, businesses don't become successful for three to five years at best. And, and so from that standpoint, uh, we have individuals who have built a solid foundation to launch their next career steps. And so everybody's on a different trajectory in our program. And it's also part of the beauty of it. They, they complete a capstone project. And the capstone project is completely individualized towards them to meet their goals with our facilitation and guidance. Yeah, uh, I think you guys have done a great job, and and Marco has done a great job, you know, moving on from working for a top team to having his own business. And that's actually my my next question is, you know, based on my experience working with you know many athlete trainers, sometimes they find it hard to transition out of the world of elite sports. And sometimes they end up launching their own consultancy, but it's not always easy. I mean, Marco has done a great job with that. So uh, what, what is your view on, on that? Uh, this yeah, yeah. That, that's an understatement. Um, I mean, in that case, the athletic trainer could be compared to the athlete, right? Your, your identity of who you are is affiliated with that role that you have. Yeah. And so when you've worked your lifetime to get there and then it changes, and um, you're no longer recognized because of the title you have. You don't have the same access sometimes to resources and, yeah. and you have to start all over again. And it doesn't mean you're not skilled or qualified, but it requires an understanding and a reflection of what needs to change. And Marco is, is similar to actually a number of other individuals in our program and many people in our profession that, uh, you know, Professional sports is uh, working in that environment is no guarantee. And mm -hmm. uh, some, some, some can make a life and a career out of it and others uh, can't for various reasons, whether it's their control or not. Uh, but understanding that it's not a bad thing, it's just a change of a direction. Uh, what skill sets have that are similar that can parlay over into another direction? And, and which ones do you lack that you should learn to focus on? You know, for example, from Marco's standpoint, Marco was a top-notch and still is a top-notch clinician and performance expert. Um, we, we worked with Marco on a lot was the branding, the branding of his business, um, right. the operational side of the business. Uh, and, and so, and he's been a, a great student learner relative to this. He, he realizes that um, there's actually no work than he was doing when he was working, you know, full-time with the Lakers. It, it is a, a, a grind. And um, he's working all different hours and he's still traveling, quite frankly, to meet the needs of his clients. Um, yeah. But he's learned how to pivot and he's done a great job. And he continues to because it's it's a learning process. You still can learn throughout this. And so, um, you know, he's just one example of many, but I'm proud to tout that um, it's it's not a perfect uh, situation. You have downs, you, you know, you learn things and, and sometimes you have wins and sometimes you have losses each day. Uh, but you bounce back and you learn from those. And that's what helps a, a seasoned entrepreneur, right? And just like in any other situation, um, experience, you can't read in a book. You just have to live through it. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you learn a lot by 
sometimes through failures, right? Not everything is perfect when you start a new business, but you, you know, you improve over time. Uh, but I would say not everybody can be an entrepreneur or not, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, right? Too. It depends on the personality, right? Everybody's different. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because when we talk about entrepreneurial opportunities in our program and we have a specialty track in that area, it doesn't necessarily mean that you run a business. Mm -hmm. Many, many students choose to do that. As I said, in various aspects, side consulting, full-time operations, but what it basically means is understanding the flow of money. And so we teach things in our entrepreneurial program all the way from personal life finances. So if you're able to understand your take-home pay and what you put, put towards investments and retirements and flexible medical benefits and child daycares and things like that, um, you are you are letting your take-home pay in a better way. And, mm -hmm. and that's part of entrepreneurial because if we have individuals in a profession who are concerned about the amount of salary they have, our goal then is to increase their take-home pay by educating them uh, on the resources that they already have as benefits and how to leverage those to the best of their abilities. So that's one example. Uh, another example is we teach them you know, how, how institutions work. So work in a certain setting, say it's a private practice, and um, they are looking to increase their salary, how can they demonstrate their value to their employer? Because I am certain any employer worth their grain of salt would happily have some kind of profit sharing, even if it's a small amount, to an employee who brings ideas forward that can help the bottom line for the company increase their revenue. And teach individuals regardless of the setting that they're in, how can you demonstrate that you're either helping with cost savings in an important, meaningful way or revenue generation in such a way that you should be recognized and credited through evaluations, quarterly, semi-annual, annual, whichever you're proposing, uh, so that you can demonstrate your value and not just complain about it, not just cry about it on social yeah, not just bond together with others who are in the same, unfortunately, sad situation, but do something about it. Do it in a proactive way. Yeah. And, and are you saying that you're recommending to uh, maybe an athlete trainer of a team to say, hey, go back to your maybe your boss and say so you can get a better compensation or because I, I see this more applicable maybe for someone who works at a clinic or, you know, they would, you know, for a business per se. Right. But um, yeah. So we teach this in all settings. So okay. I'll, give, I'll give you an example, right? So uh, I just gave you an example in the clinical setting. Yeah. In a professional setting, uh, even as recent as this week, we've seen professional athletic trainers be let go from their jobs because they had uh, high injury rates within their team and they were oh, yeah. compared, compared to others in the league yeah. and they performed the lowest. Now, we know some of that's out of their control, but nonetheless, those are... So we teach them to identify the metrics. How can you best influence these metrics? How can you how can you create other metrics that are really important for you to demonstrate your value? And if you're going to be let go when you're on the lower end, what is the agreement that you'll have when you're on the upper end and making a difference here? 
And a lot of this is putting this into dollars. That's how organizations essentially run. The bottom line yeah. is dollar. But you can do the same thing in, in the collegiate setting. And, and I subscribe to you in the secondary school setting. For example, um, I, I see too many people um, promote this idea of, oh, let's show them in the secondary school setting how, how many treatments we did and how much we saved you that if you would have gone outside for services, what it would have cost you. Um, that's not a cost savings because it didn't cost that school anything. But rather what we teach people to understand is a school is part of a school district or if it's a school, it's part of its private school consortiums and they have overall goals. Well, the larger scale goals might not relate directly to athletic training or injury prevention rehab. They might be things such as absenteeism being reduced, yeah. um, re uh, improved nutrition and reduction of obesity, improved mental health awareness. So how can you, in your job that you do every day, tie into improving the overall goals? And those are the goals that don't relate to just you and a coach or an athletic director, but to a principal, multiple principals and superintendents because when you can show up the highest level of your value in the job you're doing, you've earned respect and others see this now and they will call upon you for greater leadership. Yep, I think that makes sense. That's a great way to look at it too. It's not just about the compensation, but you know what the impact on the, on the business, on the school, on the team, or you can look at it different ways. Um, what, what would be your, your advice to any athletic trainers looking to potentially join your program and how, how can they reach you? Well, so as I said before, the majority of individuals in, in our informal survey said the reason they wouldn't do the program was because they didn't think there was a return on the investment. Um, yeah. Some athletic trainers said, well, we're just not interested in the DAT and, and that's okay. We're not salespeople to convince some guys. Very few actually said it was the cost of the program or the general length of the program. So my advice is, is to, to educate yourself more about specific programs. Again, as I mentioned before, all the DAT programs are different. And depending on what your goals are, you're right. Maybe a certain program will not provide for you a return on your investment. But if your goals match what most others are that we talk to, and that is you'd like to learn more money in your pocket, how to create more opportunities, how to be more valued either in your environment or elsewhere and grow and expand, then reach out to myself. Uh, my email is jconin, J-K-O-N-I-N, at fiu.edu, or you can follow me and message me on Twitter at Dr. Conan. Uh, I, I'm very uh, and responsive. My goal is to help others uh, better understand our program. And if we have a chat uh, and I help you understand what we can do and it's enticing to you, we'll work with you throughout the process and invest in you once you matriculate. And, and if what I share doesn't meet your goals, I'll be the first to tell you that because we don't want you to invest in our program and, and spend your money and your time leading towards an area that I said where the where is not really what our program is going to do to get you there. We're a detour and that's not the right pathway to get you there. And then we would encourage you to look at other programs. And by the way, they don't have to be doctoral levels or they don't have to be an advanced degree higher. For example, I know many, many individuals who have uh, 
gone to school for physical therapy and, and got their DPT. And they really want to get into the field and the sports setting on, on the pitch, on the sidelines. And sometimes the best advice is, well, you need a degree in athletic training. And their first response is, but that's a master's degree. I would go back for two years to get a master's. I already have a doctorate. And my answer is yes, because it's not the degree itself. It's what you're learning in it, the, the knowledge, both uh, textbook and clinically on the field, and the connections you're making to better understand what is required of working in these settings. And, and so that's my advice is to educate yourself more versus just take a wild guess and say, yeah, the DAT and just not worth it. It doesn't have any investment. Okay, well, look, uh, that's great advice. So I'm sure that, you know, because our newsletter gets sent out to many athletic trainers across different leagues, they'll reach out to you and then we'll put your contact uh, on the podcast article. So uh, look, we're at the end of the interview, but I want to thank you for, for your time today. Very insightful. Thank Great. You. Thanks for having me, Julian. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.